minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertzig. Andrew, welcome back to this special Friday edition of the show. Thank you, Kyle. It's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) Okay, so I know everybody's not as excited as they were at the beginning of the day, right? But we're up late. We're going to talk about the two newest Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about what could potentially happen tomorrow. And it's still draft time. Even if you're not super excited about the picks, let's get the energy up in here, right? I'm just super glad that you sang on the podcast for maybe the first time. (laughs) That was very unusual, and I don't know why I did it. But I'm really excited. It's draft season. That's great. And I would really, really like to encourage our listeners to check out the live YouTube stream for rounds two and three tomorrow night. A bunch of Packers Twitter folk uh, will be giving our live pick-by-pick reactions of day two of the draft. And they even included myself, as ridiculous as that is. Um, Don't tune out on my behalf. Uh, you, you can you can suffer through me because there's going to be a lot of really great people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, and the the easiest way to access that is going to be through cheeseheadtv.com. So uh, please check it out. Absolutely. And we are super excited uh, to get into our first round recap of the draft and talk a little bit about what the Packers did here. Um, we spent the last couple of months trying to dream about possible scenarios that the Packers might, you know, flesh out and figure out what they might want to do with 12 overall. We've been pondering what could happen, what should happen, and all the crazy possibilities that could play out at 12, 30, and beyond. And last night, if you're listening to this in the morning, hopefully not at like 1 a.m., uh, we finally got some answers. And if you are a draft nut like Andrew and I are, the draft is like Christmas morning. And so today we are hoping to help unwrap the gifts gifts that Brian Gutekunst and his war room delivered to this Packers organization last night during the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft. And the draft got started in a way that we could all probably have predicted. We kind of all felt like Mel Kuyper and uh, Todd McShay there for a few minutes when everything Except went. we actually know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we could talk about that, too. Um, but after months of speculation, Kyler Murray did go number one overall to the cards. The Niners and Jets followed by taking the best defensive players in the draft in Nick Bosa and Quinn Williams. But then things got absolutely wild when Oakland took Cleveland Farrell at number four overall. But then things got back on track with the Bucks at five when they took LSU Stephen White as expected. And then the Giants said, we don't care what you think, NFL and draft community. And they took Daniel Jones at pick six. Josh Allen went seven to the Jags. Hawkinson broke the hearts of Packers fans everywhere and went to the Lions. Packers fan favorite Ed Oliver was taken off the board at nine to the Bills. And the Broncos traded pick 10 to Pittsburgh and took Devin Bush. The Bengals took my guy, Jonah Williams, so I shed a tear there. 
But you guys, as Packer fans, don't care about all that. Packers fans want to talk about what happened at pick number 12. So, Andrew, I'm going to let you speak these words, and I'm going to let you tell us, tell the good people what Brian Gutekunst and co. chose to do with the 12th selection in the 2019 NFL Draft. Yeah, that pick... 8 through 11 stretch was really rough. It looked like all these guys were going to slide to pick 12, and then kind of slowly they came off the board. And everybody got really excited because we thought maybe it was Brian Burns at 12. But instead, the Packers take Edge Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. And uh, this is not going to be a popular pick amongst (laughs) Packer fans. And as a Michigan fan, I know you really don't even love Gary that much. So add in the potential labrum issue, and this certainly is going to bring up a lot of questions. But we are going to dig into all of that in a little bit. Yeah, we certainly will. But then we do get to move on to pick 21. And I would say, you know, we'll jump to 30. But like I said, we got a trade, and the Packers did come up to pick 21 to select Darnell Savage, safety out of Maryland. And this pick is one that I can definitely get behind. A safety Darnell Savage out of Maryland is a special player, I think. And so we're going to spend the majority of this episode digging into the newest members of the Green and Gold, Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. Uh, and so let's let's go ahead and jump right in here. And yes. Let's... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but <laughs> he's just well, so excited. Yeah, I I mean. I want to know, what was your first reaction when the Packers selected Rashawn Gary? It, was there another player that you would have preferred in that, oh, in that position? Oh, my goodness, Andrew. Um, I, this, is, this is a podcast where I try to resemble some kind of professionalism. But I have to admit, when they selected Rashawn Gary, I may have stood up in the room and yelled, Oh, no, what have we done? And my friend was really sitting here wishing that he was recording my reaction. <laughs> so, you know, I was I was disappointed. There were several other players that I would have gone with. And uh, Jawan Taylor, who was amazingly still on the board, we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, was on my mind. And, also, you know, Brian Burns has been my, one of my guys throughout the whole process. So had some other guys in mind here. And uh, I just didn't expect Rashawn Gary to be the one uh, that Brian Gutekunst went with here at twelve. It was really interesting to me because I was trying very hard not to tip any picks to myself uh, so I could give an honest reaction um, on Twitter. And I accidentally saw Andy Herman's tweet before the pick was announced. And I was also on delay because I was watching it streaming. So it's a few seconds behind. And um, when I saw that reaction, I knew something bad had happened. <laughs> and so I did refresh and I saw I saw that it was Rashawn Gary before the pick was announced. But um, yeah, I was certainly surprised. And, and I definitely said um, on Twitter, I think Brian Burns or a trade down is the best option. But if you're going to swing for the fences with an incredible athlete, Rashawn Gary makes a ton of sense. He has as much raw talent as anybody in this draft. He's 6'4", he's 277, he ran a 4.58 40-yard dash, and had 26 bench reps to go with that. His spark score was 94.9. If you know anything about spark scores, that is just absolutely off the chart. And his his RAS was 9.95. I actually thought that was a typo, because I hadn't seen one that (laughs) high for a player in his position. That's the seventh highest defensive end RAS score since they have been keeping track. So you're talking about guys like Miles Garrett, Mario Williams, and Javon Curse as being the few that are actually in front of Rashawn Gary's RAS. 
If you liked Burns' athleticism, Rashawn Gary ran his 40-yard dash in .04 seconds slower than Brian Burns, but he is 30 pounds heavier than Burns is. He is a freak. So the question is, is he actually a good football player? And what you notice on tape is that Gary has really powerful hands. He can stack and shed uh, blockers in the run game. He has the first step to beat tackles off the edge. He can play all over the line, and he's going to add to Mike Pettin's versatile schemes. The thing you don't love, or the things you don't love, those are what really concerns you. Number one, he doesn't always play with effort. That's a big question mark. He relies on bull rushes way too much. And potentially, he has a labrum issue that some teams thought he would actually require surgery on. So if you want to talk yourself into him, Rashawn's a freak athlete. He didn't play with great effort and technique because, quite frankly, he didn't need to. He was the consensus top recruit in the country. And I think Jim Harbaugh sort of just let him win with his incredible natural talents and probably didn't push him really hard. If you want to hate the pick, you can certainly do that, too. Uh, You would think Green Bay overdrafted a player who is really raw. He has an injury concern. And honestly, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, as it always is. If he'll listen to coaching and he can stay healthy, the Packers are going to have one of the most talented pass rushers in the entire NFL. If he doesn't, well, we're going to be talking about a pass rusher in the draft in the not-too-distant future. So, Kyle, what are your thoughts of your Wolverine buddy? Yeah, if you've been listening to our Friday show during the draft process, you already know that I'm a Michigan fan, and I love watching Devin Bush and Chase Winovich, but Rashawn Gary has always been the guy with a ton of talent but not a lot of production, and there's been some debate about whether or not that has to do um, with effort level or if it has to do um, with maybe people just double-teaming him a lot and these kinds of things, and Andrew referenced the concerns about his effort, but I would say that his motor is actually pretty good when you watch the tape. It's just that sometimes he plays He's hard, but he doesn't always play smart. He'll just try to bull rush you when he should probably go to some kind of a counter move. So I would say I'm not a huge fan of this pick, but I desperately want to believe that the Packers know what they're doing and we may not always agree with their plan, but you have to believe that they have one. This is a rare opportunity that they had to have the 12th overall pick. And so they had to have liked something in Gary. We know that Brian Gutekunst was up at the Michigan Pro Day. And so he obviously saw something there and felt pretty good about the player that he was getting in Gary. So, Andrew, do you think Gary plays on the edge? Or do you think they view him as someone who can bulk up from 280 to 290 or so and be more of a true defensive lineman? Well, I don't know if people noticed this, but they did announce him as a linebacker. And that usually is an indication of a team's plans because they can announce whatever position they want. So they, the Packers wrote that down on the card. He makes a lot more sense as an edge rather than an interior player. Because I think Zadarius Smith is going to be playing inside on pass rush situations. You have Kenny Clark, you have Mike Daniels, you have Montrevious Adams, Dean Lowry, etc., I also believe that Gary's biggest asset is his speed and quickness on the outside, and he'll have way more options running from the outside. I think they're going to play him kind of all over, but I don't think they're going to want him to bulk up too much and then kind of be stuck at that defensive end position where they have a ton of depth, whereas at edge, they really don't have much. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, this pick, when it was made, reinforced my thinks all think my thinks. <laughs> it's late <laughs> at night. My thinking all along was that Brian Burns was really someone who had an, it didn't have a shot at all, really, to be a Green Bay Packer, just because we have so little um, history of the Packers valuing that thin 
twitchy speed rusher. And so, again, they went with the thick, strong guy that they can have set the edge as well as bring pressure without sacrificing any strength in the run game. And so I think that that is something that was confirmed in my mind about what the Packers value at the edge position. And I also think that this is something that we may have seen an influence of someone like Mike Smith who has worked with linebackers in the past and has taken people like D Ford and taken them from kind of a rough start in their career and really developed them into a much more dynamic player and someone who is better at using their, their hands and their counters than they were earlier in their career. So he might have said, hey, give me this really awesome ball of clay and let me turn him into the player that he can be. But if you are looking for additional ways to get to know Rashawn Gary, I'm going to give some uh, plugs here. Destination Nashville is a series on NFL.com that follows Rashawn Gary and a few other draft prospects and gives you a fun perspective on who he is as a player and as a person off the field. And it's really, really good. You'll get to know Gary pretty well there. And then the Amazon series All or Nothing followed the Michigan Wolverines 2017 season as they spent a ton of time with Rashawn Gary in that series as well. So check those out. And Gary may or may not be your favorite draft selection, but as the best fans in the world, our job is to welcome him and to pull for his success. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and move on now to our selection at pick 21. And so just out of the gate here, Andrew, I just want to go ahead and ask you for your instant impression of the Darnell Savage pick. I, I was very intrigued that the Packers would trade up to 21 and take Savage just because, in my opinion, the safety class had a bunch of players that were all clumped together. So to move up tells me that they probably had Savage rated significantly ahead of the rest of that group. Whereas, you know, we have talked about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I really like Juan Thornhill. Um, and, you know, some of those other players, for them to make an aggressive move and give up two pretty valuable assets in those fourth round picks, they they must have loved Darnell Savage. Yeah, absolutely. When they made that move, I assumed it was going to be for an offensive tackle that they really liked. Uh, I just kind of assumed with all the pre-draft work that they did on tackles that that was going to be the decision that they made. And when the name popped up there, my thought was initially, I can live with that. And then I really kind of have come around on this idea that they at least feel that they got the best safety in the draft here. So one of the most consistent indicators of Packers selections in the past couple of years has been relative athletic scores or RAS. Essentially the Packers almost exclusively take elite athletes, at least in the early rounds. And so Juan Thornhill posting elite RAS scores of 9.78 had a lot of Packers fans, including myself thinking that Thornhill would be the pick at 30 or 44, but Darnell Savage's relative athletic score isn't far behind with an 8.35. So we are going to talk about uh, this pick a little bit here and get a little bit further into um, what we think about this pick of Darnell Savage here. Yeah, and, and we certainly were ready to talk about pick 30, and then we had the trade-up and the Packers send both of those fourth-rounders to Seattle for pick 21. Um, one of the things that um, you know I was really impressed by was Savage's 40-yard time. You know about that, the 4.36. That is incredible for a safety. Um, and he also had really great testing results in other areas. So, um Kyle, why don't, yeah. why don't you fill us in a little bit more? Because I know you really love Savage, so I want to get your thoughts on him. 
Yeah, absolutely. He did pair that incredible 40 time with elite results in the 10 yard split, the vertical jump, the broad jump, and the shuttle there. So, but even more impressive than his athletic testing is what Savage put on tape. He plays with great aggression and he's always around the ball. In addition to just being so good in coverage, Savage is also a reliable tackler with versatility to come up in the box and play the run. So it seems that Savage is this player that Mike Pettin might be able to do a lot of different things with, and it will allow him to be very flexible in the secondary with two guys, with Adrian Amos and now Darnell Savage, who can both play deep, both come up in some man coverage, and play the run in the box. So a great all-around player in Savage, Savage that will provide a ton of versatility for Mike Pettin. And I thought it was really interesting. This is kind of sourcing outside of what we normally do. But Bleacher Report's Matt Miller loves this pick for Green Bay and mentioned that one reason Green Bay had to go up and get Savage is because much of the league thinks that there's a chance that Savage could be the next Earl Thomas. And so we get into a lot of hyperbole around the draft season and when these selections are making being made. But if you don't know how to feel about this pick, mentioning the name Earl Thomas is something that can definitely make you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. So... That, then it's interesting what the, the Packers actually gave up. Um, do you want to talk about that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, we gave up picks 114 and 118 in the fourth round, I believe. Now, remember, the Packers got pick 118 from Washington in the trade for HaHa ha Clinton Dix. So, essentially, they gave up a fourth-round pick and HaHa ha Clinton Dix to get Savage at 21. So, Andrew, I want to ask you, how do you feel about the pick? I know you said, you know, your initial, you know, response, but I'm curious if you feel like they gave up too much to get up to 21. I think I'll trades in the draft a little bit differently than I think most people do, because when when I saw the Packers had traded up, which was not a surprise, I you and I talked about that situation a lot of different times in the lead up to the first round. But I was more interested with what they traded than who they got. Um, and I know that makes me bizarre. <laughs> and I immediately pulled out my my draft trade chart and looked at the the uh, values. And the first thing I tweeted was the Packers really won that trade with the Seahawks. Because if you look at the draft trade value chart, Green Bay got 800 points for uh, in receiving pick 21. And what they gave up cumulatively was 744 points. So when you win a trade by 66 points, that's significant. I mean, that's a mid-round pick. So um, that's actually the equivalent of a fourth-round pick, oddly enough. Um, So it was definitely not a secret. I love Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. But Savage actually has a lot of those same skills um, and maybe even a little bit better tape and he's 21 years old, whereas Thornhill is 24. So Savage might be slightly worse of an athlete than Thornhill, but we're talking about Thornhill as the top-notch elite safeties. Um, and Savage is still really, really great athlete, and he combines that with some good instincts. It's going to be really fun watching Savage and Jair Alexander flying around the secondary. And then also, as somebody <laughs> pointed out on Twitter, and I should credit my sources, but I can't remember who said it, they'd both be strutting around the secondary after every play. Because <laughs> they both like to celebrate a lot, and so that's going to be cool, too. Yeah, it's fun to see the Packers getting some of these players with some swagger uh, that will bring that attitude to the field for sure. But definitely that age factor is something that I hadn't caught, and I think that that age 24 for Thornhill and 21 for Savage is something could definitely have been a big tiebreaker for the Packers here. Yeah, and credit the guys on uh, 
Tuesday's podcast for pointing that out because that was something that I hadn't quite put together yet. Yeah, absolutely. I had looked at a lot of ages of guys around 12 and maybe even, you know, later in the first round, but thinking that Savage might have been someone who, you know, maybe even drifted towards pick 44. I hadn't looked at his age and, and Thornhill. So that is really, really interesting there for sure. I was a little bit nervous that when they moved up, they were going to lose that third round pick. And as much as you hate to give up two fourths, having that third round pick is going to be huge. And I think that probably tells you a little bit about what the Packers value um, they probably think that there's going to be a lot more on the board at 75 than the picks that they were going to get in that fourth round. So we now want to move a little bit to what some of the other teams. Well, I really hate to say this, but I think the pick I liked the most in the first round was the Vikings pick of Garrett Bradbury. I thought they really improved their O-line, which was terrible, but they ended up fixing two spots with one draft pick because they're going to be able to take center Pat Elfling and kick him over to guard. And um, Bradbury, you know, they talked a lot about reach on the NFL network, and that was something that in our lead-up to the draft and in our conversation with Ben Solak, he talked a lot about Garrett Bradbury having an elite ability to get to the second level and his movement skills. And the Vikings run game is going to get a lot better um, immediately with that one move. And I think their pass blocking is probably going to be better as well. And that's not good. So uh, the Vikings definitely got better tonight. The pick I hate, this is not going to be a surprise to anybody. Cleveland Farrell at four, it just makes no sense to me. If you love Cleveland Farrell, that's fine. He's a great character guy. He's a pretty good football player. He's good against the pass. He's good against the run. But there were reports of teams trying to trade up. So why would the Raiders not <laughs> trade down, get some additional picks, and then take your guy? Nobody else was taking Farrell in the top ten. Nobody. And even if he is a fantastic player, I just don't get overdrafting somebody at four when you should easily have been able to get Farrell in the teens, pick up some additional draft assets, um, you know, but who the heck knows what's going on in Oakland <laughs> slash L.A. slash Las Vegas slash I wherever they play. wherever they play <laughs> yeah i uh, i tweeted out immediately after the cleveland Farrell pick that i i just wasn't sure i guess they felt like they had to send their whole scouting room home because they were afraid that their scouts were going to keep them from doing something absolutely crazy <laughs> because this is one i never i thought maybe a quarterback they'll shock us with a quarterback maybe they'll take you know i don't know what, what they were going to do but i never would have thought uh that Farrell or pharrell or Furl is going to be the guy that they take at pick number four. Um, I honestly really like what the Broncos were able to do in trading down from 10 to 20, grabbing some extra picks and then selecting Noah Fant. Uh, it seems like the Broncos are committed to Joe Flacco. Whether you think that's a good idea or not is up to you and your opinion. And it's probably not wrong if you don't think it's a good idea. Uh, but they did give Flacco a great weapon in Fant. That will help him find some success. And Flacco loved throwing to his tight ends in Baltimore. So I really like the value in the pick that Denver got in round one tonight. As far as a pick that I hated, not sure how you take Titus Howard when Jawan Taylor is still on the board. I know that the Texans need to protect Deshaun Watson, but it feels like they went with the wrong guy at 23. Uh, but obviously we know, won't know you for years. But we're talking about Jawan Taylor. We're talking about Dalton Reisner. And even Caleb McGarry. I don't know. I just feel like Titus Howard is someone that will probably have to prove me wrong over the years before I'll feel pretty good about that pick. Um, but 
the first round was full of surprises. So we want to take a look at some of the incredible prospects who are still on the board that the Packers could target on day two and some positional needs that still exist for this Packers team. So, Andrew, why don't you jump in here and, uh, and catch us up on what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, so I really focused on the players that I thought were probable first round picks and, um, you know, that that are going to be available in day two. Um, we have you, you had mentioned Jawan Taylor from Florida. Um, some people thought he was the best tackle in the draft. I know he's probably limited to right tackle. Um, he, he might be seen as a little bit of a one year wonder because his tape before last season wasn't particularly great. Um, but it is very interesting that that he got pushed so far up draft boards and was talked about as a top 10 pick. And now he slid. Uh, Greedy Williams, the corner from LSU, he is certainly an elite athlete and somebody who would be incredibly intriguing for the Packers, even in a suddenly crowded defensive back room. Um, he he has his limitations that you see on tape, but from a size speed aspect, it does not get better than Greedy Williams. Probably has a little Kevin King in him. Yeah, sure. I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Um, DK Metcalf, my dude. From Ole Miss, he was my fifth overall rated player. <laughs> Clearly, this is why I am not an NFL general manager. Um, and uh, the rest of the league did not agree with me. But his size and speed just doesn't grow on trees. And so somebody's gonna gonna get a really cool project in the second round, and and we'll see, uh, you know, if if he is worthwhile of all of my um, seemingly egregious praise. We have Cody Ford from Oklahoma. That was a really surprising one to me. He doesn't really fit Green Bay's athletic profile, but he is an incredibly versatile player. Um, he could potentially be Balaga's successor, and you'd think they'd have to kick that athletic profile out the window at some point. He just becomes too good of a value. Uh, Dalton Reisner from Kansas State. I know everybody loves the Reisner fit, um, but a lot of offensive linemen are, are sliding, so um, that's interesting. Uh, we have Drew Locke from Missouri, and I would absolutely hate it if they picked Drew Locke, even in the second <laughs> round. Um, but there is that perceived connection. Hopefully, Denver will take him off the board at some point since they love Drew Locke, too. Uh, Eric McCoy, the center from Texas A&M, who is a guy I love. He was a top 15 player for me. Um, McCoy has the size and strengths to kick into guard. So not only does he give you a little bit of versatility as a, a backup in case Corey Lindsley isn't available, um, but he could be that right guard as well. You have cornerback Byron Murphy from Washington and Murphy's a really good corner. He has size concerns, but we did see Brian Gutekunst go outside the athletic profile with Jair. So um, Murphy's the less ideal size speed guy, but um, definitely really solid tape. And so real quick math here, uh, we have two, four, six, eight guys I just mentioned. Um, and the Packers pick 12th in the um, second round. So the odds that one of those players yeah. is there probably pretty good. That's incredible, actually, to think that somebody's going to be there from that list. Um, you want to get into some predictions here, Andrew, and talk about who we might like to see and who we think might end up a Packer tomorrow? Let's do it. We were all wrong about the first round, so let's <laughs> get some second-round picks right. That's, that's absolutely right. Nobody knew what they were talking about. Um, it certainly seems like there must be something wrong with Jawan Taylor, whether that's medical or off the field or something. Uh, he's just simply too good to be here on the board. And I know he may just be a right tackle, but man, I think he's a good player. Um, so I think that he's someone that you could look at at 44 for sure. I know that the Packers would probably love Dalton Reisner, but AJ Brown is the guy that I think if he is still there, 
when they get to 44 or maybe they find a way to slide up a couple spots. Um, I think he's someone that you could plug into the slot as that big slot and really replace a lot of production that it seems like maybe Aaron Rodgers would like uh, to find someone to do with Cobb now out of town in Dallas. So if he's still on the board at 44, I think they're probably running that card up. But don't forget about Irv Smith, the tight end out of Alabama, as a possibility here. I've seen some make comps to Delaney Walker, who Matt LaFleur was really high on and excited to have in Tennessee. So keep an eye on Irv Smith as that consolation prize when the Packers didn't come out of round one with a tight end. Yeah, I would love, 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 love if the Packers could get their hands on Greedy Williams or DK Metcalf. Uh, We were talking right before we jumped um, on to record the podcast that without those fourth round picks, they probably don't have the ammo to slide up a few spots in the second. Um, But if Greedy Williams or DK Metcalf is there, I am going to be really annoying on Twitter. Uh, Or actually, (laughs) well, maybe if... If we're uh, if I'm on the YouTube live at the point where the Packers are picking in the second round, I'll be really annoying on there too. Um, they are both top 15 players in my opinion. However, I don't think either one of those is getting to 44, um, and I'm not sure that Green Bay um, would be willing to part with their resources to move up additionally. I actually think Dalton Reisner is going to be the pick at 44. I just foresee him sliding because of the other offensive lineman options and. Um, I I think a lot of Green Bay would be very happy with that pick. Absolutely. I totally think that that pick could atone for maybe some of the surprise that we saw tonight in round one. Uh, But the Packers did double down on defense here in the first round. And so we'll see if the Packers find a way to add some talent to the offensive side of the ball tomorrow on the second day of the draft. So believe it or not, that's it. That's all the time we have tonight. (laughs) Um, Be sure to check out the live YouTube stream tomorrow night on cheeseheadtv.com. But this has been the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Pack-A-Day podcast. If you like what we're doing, subscribe or rate the podcast. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. They're going to break down everything that happened at day two of the draft and get you ready for day three. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with a breakdown of some of the Packers' late-round selections. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers. Who are you supposed to be? Um, Captain America. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak, reaches over, and the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown! A touchdown, Green Bay! Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken the lead! To announce the Green Bay Packers selection, please welcome wide receiver James Lofton. With the 53rd pick of the 2014 NFL Draft, the 13-time NFL champion Green Bay Packers select Devontae Adams. I am Thor, son of Odin. Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone. Devontae touchdown and a dagger. They beat Morris Claiborne to the back line of the end zone. The Packers have won it. With the 18th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select... Jair Alexander. The truth is, I am Iron Man.
Snap, blitz on, Allen running for his life, gets by Reggie Gilbert, pulls it back over the middle, and it is intercepted around the end zone. Here come the Packers, down the right side of the 20 to the 25, it is Jair Alexander on the return. With the 27th pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Kenny Clark. Packers showing blitz snap to Cousins under some pressure. He's had it Kenny Clark! They have a deal in place with the Chicago Bears. Mack is on his way to Chicago. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to be known as one of the best to play the game. I always thought of myself as the best defensive player in the league. That's what comes with Mack. Tell me his name again. Thanos. Read it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. The Avengers? Us mightiest heroes. Sort of like a team. Five letters here. Just for everybody out there in Packerland and yourself today. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're in the end game now. one goal here always has been one goal that's to win world championships and we're excited to get started it is my pleasure to introduce matt lafleur as the 15th head coach from the green bay packers in our 100th season i'm all about family if that's one thing you're going to learn about me it's I, I love my family i did have the opportunity to talk to aaron and i'll tell you what i i i cannot wait to get to work with him. I think he's equally as excited. With the 12th pick, the Green Bay Packers select 